Amen. Praise the Lord. Good morning to you. If you have your Bibles, let's grab them and we're going to go to the word of the Lord. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. Uh, we'll be looking at several scriptures uh, this morning. Uh, today's going to be a, uh, a very practical, hands-on uh, lesson. And we're continuing in our series that we're calling Wolves, Goats, and Sheep. Wolves, Goats, and Sheep. And uh, we finished up with wolves, and we're going to kind of put goats and sheep together and talk about those a little bit today. And to do that, I'd like to direct your attention to Matthew, Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 32. And we're going to read several scriptures here. Of course, this is uh, Jesus speaking, and uh, he's prophesying. Really, this is a prophecy of Jesus. And He's using the analogy that's common in Scripture of referring uh, to God's people as sheep. And then he uh, also brings in the analogy of goats. And it was Jesus himself who also used the analogy of wolves. And so we've talked about what those three things mean, especially wolves. Uh, if you missed that, those are in past lessons. But uh, today we're going to see the distinction that Jesus makes and Scripture makes between sheep and goats. And Jesus says this. Uh, as a prophecy concerning the last days, he said, And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, this is, we're skipping down to verse 41. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Now, I want to just pause here, and I know it's, gonna, it's already quiet this morning, and I'm going to just begin right off the bat, uh, making it even quieter than it already is, and uh, and just inform you, because I have this question. It's really surprising how often I have this question, and it causes me to be concerned that perhaps we're not preaching it like we should. And there's a reason for that. It's very difficult to preach about hell, but the Scripture is clear that hell is a real place. Hell is a real place. And there's a common... False doctrine that's going around now, and, and there's all kinds of variations of it and versions of it uh, where uh, hell is perceived as uh, just death and then you're no more, or that hell is not real, or that hell is perhaps not a place of judgment or a place of, uh, of pain. And, uh, and of course, we have Jesus himself saying that, uh, that it's a place of everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Now, I take no joy. In saying that, that's not something that I enjoy preaching about. And of course, that's, that's probably why we don't preach it as often as we should. It's not fun to preach that way. But it is a fact in the Word of God that hell is a real place. And here we have Jesus saying that there's going to be a separation. Of course, he's talking about the judgment. And in, in the day of judgment, there's going to be just as, as a shepherd would separate the goats from among the sheep. Uh, it was common 
in, uh, in the biblical shepherding days for goats to be mixed in with the sheep. And, you know, if you ever, uh, in our day and age, we don't see much of this. You know, perhaps you've never seen a, a herd of goats or a herd of sheep. But uh, sometimes if you were to look from a distance and you saw a picture perhaps of, uh, of a herd of sheep and there were goats mixed in from far away, it might be difficult to tell the difference. Uh, it might, might be hard to see. But, and it's the same way in the church. You know, God is not referring here to uh, separating sinners from and, and people who don't consider themselves a part of the church. God is referring specifically to people who consider themselves to be in the sheepfold. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? He, people who consider themselves to be a part of the church, the, the family of God, the people of God. And yet... In God's eyes, there are goats in the herd and there are sheep. And God will allow them to travel together in this world. But there's going to be a day of separation where God begins to pull the goats to one side and the sheep to another side. And he has harsh words. He's very clear. The sheep are going to enter into everlasting life. They're going to enter into the place that has been prepared for them and being prepared for them and planned for them all the way from the foundation of the world. Jesus himself said in another place, you know, I, I go to prepare a place for you. He's talking about the church, the sheep. But then the goats have a very different future. Their future is going to be a place of everlasting judgment and fire that was originally prepared for the devil and his angels. You know, hell was not intended for people. Hell was intended to be only for the, the angels that fell and became demons. It was intended to be for uh, Satan because of his rebellion and his falling. And yet, as people were influenced into sin, hell enlarged itself. One place scripture says that hell enlargeth itself. It, it grows. It expands as, as, uh, as people uh, prepare themselves for it. And so we have this separation that takes place. And so it's very, very important as Christians and as people uh, who know the truth, who've learned the truth, that we ensure in our hearts that we are sheep, that we're the sheep of his pasture. How many want to be a sheep in the sheepfold of the great shepherd? And that's my, that's my prayer. That's my hope. That's my great desire. You know, you know, Pastor was teaching the other day, uh, he's been teaching a lot about the end times, and he was talking about the, uh, the ten virgins, the five wise, and the five foolish. And uh, a thought really struck me, and we were talking about it yesterday, that in that particular parable, Jesus is not speaking of five members of the church and five people who are out in the world. He is speaking of uh, 10 people who consider themselves to be a part of the bride of Christ, who consider themselves to be ready for the groom's return, for the return of the Lord. And yet, five out of 10 were ready and five were not. We see another example where Jesus talks about uh, there's going to be two in a field and one's going to be taken and one's going to be left. Over and over in Scripture, we see this idea, and he's talking about the church. Now, this grieves me to say this, but 
But really what we see in prophecy is that Jesus looks all the way into the future, thousands of years at the end times, and he realizes and knows in his infinite wisdom that it really is going to be about a 50-50 percentage of people who are ready and people who are not. What that tells me is that when we come to church, I don't want to give, I don't want to say it's 50-50. I hope that's not the case. Uh, perhaps it varies from church to church, from city to city, from state to state. I don't know exactly how all that works, but I will tell you this. There's always the danger when we come to church that we are sitting there thinking that we're a sheep when actually we're a goat. There's always that danger. And uh, it behooves us to be able to examine our own hearts and determine where we are and, and what the state of our heart is, because if we don't determine what we are, there's going to be a judgment day where we're going to stand before God, and God is going to separate all of us. God's going to separate all of us. And, and you know, sometimes people say, well, that's, that's hard to hear. That's hard preaching. I would much rather hear it right now while we all have a chance than to wait until judgment day and stand before the Lord and the Lord say, all right, that's it. You're over here and you're over here. It'd be much better. I don't want to have to stand before God as a pastor, as a preacher, and the Lord say, why didn't you preach that? Why didn't you warn people? It's clear in my word. And, and I don't want to have to look someone in the eye on judgment day and, uh, with tears in their eyes and them say, but Brother Ryan, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you warn me? Why didn't you preach it harder? You know what's amazing to me? The Lord dropped this in my spirit the other day. And anyone who knows me knows that uh, I'm not a confrontational person. I don't I don't particularly like to give hard news or hard things to hear, but I do have to obey what the Word tells me to preach and what the Holy Ghost tells me to preach and teach. But I will tell you that the Lord dropped it in my heart that on the day of judgment, there are going to be people who stand there before me and with tears in their eyes and say, I wish that you would have preached it stronger. And it's going to be the same people who said in this world, they preach it too hard. That's exactly how it's going to be. The day of judgment, there's going to be people who are going to look back and think, I, I wish that pastor would have preached it harder. But in this world, it's, it's difficult to hear. And so there's going to be a final separation. There's going to be a final division of sheep and goats. And it's important that we guard our hearts. Now, with that in mind, I'm going to take you to the next slide. And for the next several slides here... Uh, with the little bit of time we have left, with that in mind, because this is important, amen? It's important to understand. And I don't want anyone to be able to go back and say, well, how can I determine whether or not I'm a sheep or I'm a goat? How can I, uh, I need some practical insight. So for the next little bit here this morning, I'm gonna give us some practical uh, insight into how to separate a sheep and a goat. And while we do this, now this is very important, because when we do this kind of thing, it's very easy to look around the room and say, well, that's a goat over there, <laughs> and there's a sheep over there. I'll tell you what we ought to do. We ought to leave that to God, all right? We're not doing this so you can look around the room and try to find all the goats and all the sheep, okay? That's not the point. The point is to examine our hearts. Point to yourself and say, my heart, my heart, all right? So I don't, no one needs to get any whiplash or any neck injuries today looking around the room. 
uh, just keep it focused on yourself and, uh, and ask yourself. And I mean truly ask yourself. You know, it's really, really, it's amazing how easy it is uh, to find the problems in other people. Isn't it, isn't it just human nature? We can spot it. Oh, my goodness. We can spot wrongdoing. We can spot problems in other people. But when it comes to our hearts, we often have a great big blind spot, don't we? It's like we have these big blinders on, and we can't see the problems in our hearts. And, and it's even amazing how we can see the fault in someone else, and we can have the exact same fault. Isn't that amazing? But we can spot it in that other person, but we're different, right? It's different. My situation. You know how many times I've heard that? My situation. I know it seems the same, but my... no. No. Self-examination. It's very, very important. So we're going to look at these things together. And while we do it, we're going to examine our hearts and we're going to ask the Lord. If you feel, if you feel a little touch of conviction uh, in any of these points, then I want you to take that in your heart. I don't want you to get angry at God. I don't want you to get angry at me. Don't get angry at anybody else. I want you to just say, Lord, I'm feeling conviction. I don't even understand why I am. But if there's something that is causing me to have the spirit of a goat rather than the spirit of a sheep, I want you to, I want you to go ahead and take that from me. Allow the Lord to be the great shepherd in your life. Let the rod of com- correction work in your spirit. Okay, so we're going to look, look at this together. Number one, sheep love the shepherd. Everyone said they love the shepherd. Now let me clarify They love the great shepherd, and we know the name of the great shepherd. His name is Jesus. They love the great shepherd, but they also love the under-shepherd that the great shepherd has put over their lives. So they love ministry. Goats tolerate the shepherd. Everyone get the difference? You know, they'll put up with it. They'll come. They'll hear the preaching. Uh, they'll, They'll let... They'll let correction just kind of work, but they just kind of tolerate it. They don't love it. They don't receive it. It's just, it's a burden to them. And of course, wolves hate the shepherd. Amen? All right. Sheep rest in green pastures. Goats roam to greener pastures. Hello? And wolves seek higher places. So let me break that down. Sheep are not church hoppers. Hello? They're not hopping from place to place. You know, we got a lot of hip-hop lovers in, in church these days. Sheep rest in green pastures. They, they rest. They find a place of rest, and they're not constantly looking for uh, greener pastures. You know, goats are constantly looking for the next uh, place that they can go that's an advantage to them. Goats are constantly, they see something, and, and you see this in, in, in real life with, with uh, literal goats. You see that they're constantly, it's hard to rein them in. It's hard to keep them in one place. They constantly want to go where everyone else isn't going, and, and, uh, and so it's hard to keep them where they're supposed to be, and that's that way with spiritual goats as well. And, of course, wolves are constantly looking for elevation. One of the ways that you can spot a wolf is that they're constantly promoting themselves. You know, when you see someone who's constantly promoting themselves, that's, that's, not, that's not the Holy Spirit working because God has called us 
to put him above ourselves. And so as Christians, what we should be doing is promoting the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we say things like, oh, magnify the Lord. I don't want to magnify myself. But, you know, a lot of people think that if they magnify themselves, it magnifies the Lord. It doesn't work that way. We can't magnify ourselves and then try to magnify God on the side. God is great and greatly to be praised. And so we lift him above ourselves, above our priorities. We even lift God above our own dreams. Hello? You know, we live in an age where people think that uh, my dreams are really what uh, the priority, and God needs to get on board with my dreams, with God needs to get on board with my plans. But that isn't how God works. God says, I want you to lay down your nets and follow me. In other words, you've got priorities, but you need to be willing to put your priorities down. Peter, if you want to follow me, you're going to have to lay your priority down right now. You mean I don't even have a day or two to think about it? No. Lay your priority down and follow me. That's how it works to follow Jesus. Sheep are easy to shepherd. Someone said, amen. Sheep are easy to shepherd. They're a joy to shepherd. Goats are difficult to shepherd. And wolves are impossible to shepherd. Sheep are peacemakers. Everyone said peacemakers. Look at your neighbor and say, blessed are the peacemakers. Sheep are peacemakers. Sheep sheep don't uh, encourage disunity. They don't encourage uh, infighting. They don't They don't slander their brother and their sister. They don't constantly cause division and problem. You're not going to hear a sheep talking ugly about somebody. You're not going to hear a sheep tearing somebody down. You're not going to hear a sheep gossiping. You're not going to hear a sheep with a rotten attitude because they didn't get their way or it wasn't perfect. Sheep are peacemakers. Goats are agitators. Amen? Goats are constantly agitating the situation. They're constantly making things difficult and uncomfortable. Uh, one time, I took my kids uh, to a little petting zoo, and uh, they were a lot younger than Julia just turned 12 years old yesterday. I can't even believe, I, I don't, and I'm 78 today, so I don't even know how it happened. But, uh, and, but many years ago, I took the kids to a petting zoo, and they, they had goats there. And I don't know what it is about petting zoos, but they always have goats. They, don't, they may not have anything else, but there will always be goats at a petting zoo. Have you ever noticed that? Parents, grandparents, there will be 9,000 goats and nothing else. And uh, we went in there, there was a whole bunch of goats, and, and the kids wanted to pet them. And uh, I'll never forget, uh, Julia was, was, I'm trying to think how old she was, but I don't know. She was probably seven or eight. It's hard for me to, I can't even remember what I what I had for breakfast yesterday, let alone a few years ago. But she, uh, she wanted so bad to pet this one goat because it, she said, her words, it's the prettiest goat here. Unfortunately, it was also the meanest goat there. And uh, all the other goats were uh, spotted and kind of dirty. But this one goat looked like it had just been washed or something. I don't know if that was true, but it was just beautiful white. And uh, just uh, silky, uh, I don't know, is it fur, mane, hair, whatever it is, just a beautiful goat. But it was ornery. And, uh, 
every time she would go to, to just, all she wanted to do was just pet it. And, you know, the, you put your little 25 cents in the thing, and you get this little food, and you put it in your hand. And every time she'd walk up to try to feed that thing, it would take a bite, and then she'd go with her other hand to pet it, and it would knock her hand away with its head. Knock her hand. And it'd just break her heart because she'd give him food, and then he'd take the food, and then she'd try to pet him, and he'd knock her hand away. Smart goat. He knew how to get what he wanted but not let them do anything they wanted to do. And so he was an agitator. And fi- this went on for about five minutes or so, and, of course, she's crying. And, uh, and, and so finally she'd had enough, and she was determined she was going to give this thing a hug. And, and she ran over to give it a hug, and when she did, it just Popped her with his head, knocked her right down on her back. Because that's the nature of a goat. That's the nature of a goat. They're agitators. They make simple situations hard. You can spot a goat because they're difficult to work with. You try to do something simple and they make it difficult. You try to, uh, you try to do something that, that ought to be natural and normal, but goats make it hard to do because they're agitators. And wolves, of course, are predators. So wolves are far more dangerous, but goats will naturally disrupt the unity of the church. And how many understand that unity is what we need for revival? I said unity is what we must have for revival. Unity is what puts us in one mind and in one accord, and it creates an atmosphere where the Holy Ghost can move freely. You know, goats are often the reason that the Holy Ghost is hindered. When the scripture says, quench not the spirit... It's usually a goat that's quenching the spirit. And so we have to search our hearts every, every time we come into the house of God. Lord, I don't want anything in my spirit to be quenching the flow of the Holy Ghost today. Amen? It'd be a good place for somebody to raise your hand and say, Lord, I want the Holy Ghost to fall like rain. Let it fall like fire. We need the power of the spirit. All right, let's go to the next slide, and we're going to continue in this vein for a moment. Everybody Okay. Everybody all right? All the goats okay? All the sheep okay? Everybody's good? All right. Sheep are timid and trusting. Now, I don't have time to go deep into this. And let me just say this, because I remember when when the first time I was probably a teenager, I remember hearing a preacher, uh, an evangelist come to our church in Chicago, and he talked about the difference between sheep and goats. And uh, I remember as a teenager thinking, I don't want to be a sheep. <laughs> I want to be a wolf. You know, because uh, it's just the way we think. And, and, you know, boys and girls, you know, my son, we were talking the other day about what kind of, uh, what would be the, the kind of dog. You know, we have a beautiful dog and... If we got another dog, he was talking about the kind he would want. And he wants a dog that looks just like a wolf. He wants a wolf dog. And, of course, Julia wants a, a girly dog with three-foot-long hair or something like that. And so our nature sometimes, especially as men, you know, we don't want to be a sheep. We, we're not, that's not how we're conditioned. We want to be, uh, we want to, Julia likes to take these little tests where it compares you to an animal. Anyone know what I'm talking about? These little personality quizzes. It's like, you're a golden retriever. You're a beaver. Uh, they have all these different things that you can, and it tells you what your personality is. 
And, uh, and I took one the other day with her. She's got all these different ones that she likes to do. And, uh, and I was, the whole time I was thinking, I would really like to be the lion. I want to be the lion at the end of this thing. That was my goal. I was even answering the questions, hoping that I could manipulate the test where I can end up being a lion. Because that's, that's manly, right? That's human nature. And in the end, I wound up being a monkey. Not a goat, amen, but I was a monkey. I'd rather be a goat, actually, quite frankly. And so I, I realize that when we make this analogy, sometimes if we're not thinking biblically or, or, uh, or through the lens of the Bible and what it means, it, it's hard for us because it's, I think men especially, it's like, I, I don't want to be a sheep. I, and we're conditioned as Americans and as leaders. You know, if you're a leader, you, don't, you think of a sheep as a follower, and, uh, and, and, you know, Americans, you know, we're independent. You know, we're going to do it ourselves. We're going to make it on our own. And that might be true in the secular world. But in the kingdom of God, you cannot be a leader unless you're a follower. And you can't be a shepherd without a shepherd. Hello? You can't have authority unless you're under authority. You can't be blessed unless you're a blessing. And so to be a sheep... Of course, we'll talk about that later, but to be a sheep is, is maybe not the way we put it in our mind. And when we say a word like timid and trusting, we're not talking about weakness, just like meek. Someone said meek. You know, the Bible says that the meek shall inherit the earth. Well, we take the word meek and we think weakness automatically. We hear words like timid and trusting, and, and we associate that with weakness. Now, of course, in the context of, of being trusting and being timid, we're not talking about with the devil. We're not talking about necessarily in our business dealings or secular life. But when it comes to the kingdom of God, we do need to have a meekness about us. And we need to have a trusting aspect of our lives towards the shepherd. Because you cannot be shepherded unless you have a trusting spirit. What that means is sometimes the rod starts moving you and you think, I need to be going over there in your mind, but the rod is pushing you over here and you need to be willing to have trust in the shepherd that says, okay, I may feel like I need to go over there, but the rod's telling me to go over here and my flesh doesn't like it, but I'm going to submit myself to godly authority and to the kingdom of God and I'm going to go where God is telling me to go. Do you know how many times in my life that my flesh has told me to do this and the spirit was telling me to do this? And if I would have obeyed my flesh, I'd probably be dead right now because the spirit knows what we don't know. And God will take us to pastures that we don't even know are there, but we have to allow him to lead us. When we start leading ourselves, we wind up in desert places. But when we allow the Holy Ghost to lead us, it will take us to green pastures. Amen. So this is very, very important. And uh, goats are suspicious. Hello? And questioning. Goats question everything. Brother Ryan, are you saying that it's wrong to ask questions? No. But there is a, there is a certain mentality where uh, everything has to be questioned. And it's, it's, not a, it's not a question for information. You know the difference between someone who's trying to get information and someone who is challenging through a question? Anybody know the difference? You know what I'm talking about? You, for example, you can say, I don't know how to get to Buckner's. Can you tell me how to get there? Because I've never been there and I don't know. 
Or you can say, do we really need to be going to Buckner's today? There's a difference, isn't there? There's a difference. So goats are constantly questioning, and wolves are deceptive and cunning. Sheep love shearing. They love time. They love offerings. Everyone said offerings. They love shearing time, offering. (laughs) You know, this sometimes is the true separation of of sheep and goats. It's going to get so quiet right now. Praise the Lord. Glory. This is good teaching, though. Uh, Goats enjoy shearing. Sheep enjoy shearing time. They enjoy giving of themselves. They do. They enjoy what brings blessing to the kingdom of God. But, But goats moan at shearing time. Goats don't like offerings. Goats don't like to give them themselves. Anytime it requires something, they'll give everybody else's stuff. Oh, that'll preach right there. And they'll take everybody else's stuff, but they don't want to give of themselves. You know, it's, it's a truism in life that people who are willing to quickly take the most are usually the least willing to give. It really is a truism. People who will take the most will rarely give. But sheep love to give. And, of course, we know that if you give, it shall be given unto you. Goats moan at shearing time, and wolves growl at shearing. So wolves, I mean, they absolutely uh, become angry and aggressive at, at t- when it's time to give. And, by the way, I don't just mean... Uh, financially. I know our minds all jumped immediately to money because that's how we're wired. Uh, But even when it comes to giving of your time and your talent or giving of your energy uh, or or giving of of an investment of yourself into someone or something else, uh, sheep love that. They're willing to do that. But goats, goats don't want to. Goats have a lot of opinions about how things should be done but they rarely are willing to work to make it happen. Everybody okay? And of course, wolves want it all. Sheep trust the shepherd's menu. Goats find their own menu, and wolves see sheep as the menu. Praise the Lord, glory to God, hallelujah. So oftentimes you'll hear someone say, I'm just not being fed. Ever heard that before? I'm just not being fed. The problem is they just don't like what's on the menu. So my son has a real problem with this in real life. Um, He loves food, just like I do, but he's incredibly picky about food. And so uh, you you can go to a nice restaurant, and when he first looks at the menu, he doesn't like anything on the menu. And he'll often say something like, there is nothing good to eat here. Well, son, this is the nicest steakhouse in Atlanta. There's nothing good to eat here. It's a mentality it's, it's not that there isn't anything good to eat there. It's just he doesn't like anything to eat there. Or he doesn't think he does. Now, the other day, we went to Longhorn for Julia's birthday. And uh, we, we ordered on the lunch menu. They have affordable little six-ounce steaks. And Julia loves that. <clears throat> and so Talmadge said, I don't want anything. I don't, want, I don't like anything here. Remember this, Pastor? I don't like anything here. There's nothing here. Well... So we all got our food, and, and so uh, I, I let him do what he wanted, didn't make him order anything, didn't want to waste money. So my steak comes out, and he's sitting right next to me, and it didn't take more than about five minutes, and he goes, 
Well, that doesn't look too bad. So guess who got about one bite of steak for lunch yesterday? And grandma too. I think he ate most of mine and most of grandma's. So it's a mentality. You know, oftentimes when you hear people say, I'm not being fed, it's not because there isn't any food. It's just they don't want manna. So, you know, the Israelites, they grumbled when the manna was given. Uh, There was plenty of food. They just didn't like the food that God was giving them. And so sheep, sheep will say, okay, this is, this is the menu that God's giving me. This is the word. This is the bread that God's giving me. And then they, they take that. And even though it may not be appealing at first, they realize that uh, God is giving that to them for their own good. Just almost, sometimes it's kind of like vegetables. You know, uh, We don't always like vegetables, but vegetables are for our good. And so we, sometimes we, we think, I don't want to eat that. But then we realize it's, it's good for me, and I enjoy it when I, when I allow myself to eat it. And so sheep trust the shepherd's menu. Goats find their own. So goats are constantly looking for a word from somewhere else. They're constantly looking. These are the people. Who are, they're constantly in search. One TV preacher to another. One church to another. You know, one book to another. One conference to another. And uh, I'm not saying that books and conferences are bad. I'm just saying that the mentality is I'm constantly looking for a new word. I'm constantly looking for something uh, that fits my diet, something that confirms what I want to be right. And so, you know, you can look hard enough and uh, you can find just about any menu that you want. You can find just about any theological, spiritual diet that you would like. It doesn't mean it's the right one. It doesn't mean it's the healthy one. It doesn't mean it's the one that God wants you to have. But you can look and find something, and goats do that. They're constantly looking for a menu that confirms what they want in their life. Sheep like to give. Goats like to receive. Hello? Sheep like to give. Goats like to, re- to receive. And wolves like to steal. Let's go to the next slide because I'm running out of time. I'm taking too much time on each one. Can we go to the next one? Here we go. Sheep Love life, goats endure life, and wolves kill life. Sheep are sheared, goats are milked, and wolves are driven away. Sheep seek reconciliation, goats seek justice, and wolves seek destruction. Now, what I mean by that, when sheep seek reconciliation and goats seek justice, uh, goats are easily offended. Everybody okay? Goats are offended. And sometimes they have a right to be offended. Anyone ever been offended and you had a right to be offended? That's all right. You can raise your hand. Don't be afraid. Yeah, everyone in this room has been offended. And you had a right to be offended, perhaps. Sometimes maybe you didn't. But certainly you probably did at some point or another. But the difference between a sheep and a goat is when a sheep is offended, a sheep wants to make it right. They want to fix it. They want things to be they want things to be right with their brother, right with their sister. They, they want to fix it. They're a peacemaker. They want, they want everything to be okay so that they can have a right spirit and the other person can have a right spirit. They don't want to destroy that person. They're not trying to get even with that person. They're not trying to bring vengeance on that person. They just want to, to make the situation right so that everybody can serve God together and make it to heaven. 
They want to be able to come into the house of God and worship. They want to love one another. And that doesn't mean there aren't problems, but they want to fix those problems before they turn into something dangerous. But goats are constantly looking for justice. They're looking for vengeance. They want, they want the hammer brought down on that person who offended them. They want, they want somebody to get them. You know, they've got that sick them mentality. You know what I'm talking They want to sick the dogs on them. They want, they want somebody to go in there and just really punish that person so that they can feel good about the punishment that was meted out on that person. And, of course, wolves seek absolute destruction at all times. And so you need to search your heart because we all fall into this. I have fallen into this trap. I've had the Lord convict me and say, you are looking for vengeance. You are not looking for reconciliation. And there is a big difference between trying to find a place of judgment and vengeance on someone and trying to make things right with your brother or your sister. And it's one of the first keys that you see between a sheep and a goat. It's the difference in mentality. And, and in the modern church, we have to search our hearts and say, Lord, I want things to be right. I want to go and fix things because I want us all to make it to heaven. I want us all to be able to worship God together. I don't want to have ought against my brother. I don't want to have division with my brother or sister. I, I, I don't want to have any reason to have hard feelings with someone else when, I, when, I, when I'm worshiping. That's why scripture says to men, lift up holy hands without wrath and without doubting. And by the way, I believe that wrath, anger, and doubting are connected. When you're angry, you're going to have a hard time having faith. Anger is the enemy of faith because anger doesn't allow you to think spiritually. You, you can't be spiritually minded and full of anger. If you want to have faith and you want to be sensitive to the spirit, you're going to have to rid yourself of wrath. You're going to have to rid yourself of anger. You're going to have to rid yourself of bitterness. When you can get rid of those things, then you can lift up holy hands. How many want to lift up holy hands? By the way, you need to be careful when you're lifting up unholy hands. Lift up holy hands without wrath, without anger, without bitterness, without guile. Lift them up and let faith fill your soul and watch God to be begin to move in your circumstance and your situation. Why don't we stand right now and do that in closing? Let's stand and lift up holy hands and let's ask the Lord to move in this service. Lord, right now. I pray that our hands would be clean in your presence. I pray that our hearts would be clean in this service today. Cleanse us, oh God. Purge us with hyssop, I pray, Lord. I pray that everything we offer up today would be a holy sacrifice, God. I pray my heart, my words, my actions, my thoughts, Lord, my lifestyle. I pray that it all would be pure. And God, that it would be in alignment with your word. I pray that you'd move in this spirit. Fill these altars, Lord. Stir the waters of baptism. Heal the sick, I pray. Move on somebody who's hurting today, oh God. We thank you for it, Jesus. And everyone said, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen.